I have to confess, I was kind of hoping not to have to be up here, but apparently, if I stand on there, it's quite dark and you can hardly see me, which I think would be a tragedy. So I, I want to make sure you can all see me. I, I'm seriously wishing that I'd worn trousers rather than a dress, but hey-ho. My name is Melanie, if we've not met before. I'm married to Stuart, and I help lead this beautiful church that we call Real Life Church. And I get to speak to you this afternoon about the Christmas number one, which I have to be honest is my favorite subject. I get to speak to you about Jesus. And it's topical because it's Christmas, but I have to be honest, I love talking about him. So you get me on my favorite subject or my favorite person. So I'm going to kick off by confessing something. I'm going to bear my all today, okay? So I don't want you to judge me. I just want you to remember that you were young once too, okay? So I was a child of the 1980s. I'm telling you that because I want to set the scene for what I'm about to confess. I'm letting you know that I used to have a perm. And I remember once seeing a photo and thinking... Was I modeling myself on Deirdre Barlow? Or I just don't know. A very tight perm. I used to wear my jeans far too tight and my hair far too big. My first ever crush, and this is my confession, was on Shaking Stevens. And um, yeah, he still holds a place dear in my heart, I have to be honest. I owned all of his records, um, albums, I had picture discs, I had, you probably, if you're, you know, a teenager, don't even know what a picture disc is, so you could buy an album, and you could buy special ones, this was played on a record player, okay, and you could buy special ones that had your favourite pop star's face on it, and it was called a picture disc, and they were worth just a little bit more money, so I had Loads of Shaken Stevens stuff, including picture discs. I knew all his songs by heart. I would even practice standing up on my toes. You know how he used to do kind of rolling up on his toes? I, I actually did ballet because I really... All I wanted to do was be able to stand on blocks on my toes so that I could be like Shaken Stevens. I thought that I would marry him one day or someone like him. And those of you who've met my husband, you can see the similarity, can't you? Yeah, no. So let me tell you a little bit about Shaker Stevens. So his real name is Michael Barrett, which you can understand maybe why he, when he started to sell records, that he might think, ah, oh, that name's not really working for me. So Shaker Stevens, Michael Barrett. He was born on the 4th of March, 1948. Yes, he is old enough to be my dad. I know that, okay? Uh, when I had a crush on him, uh, uh, yeah, okay, he was old enough to be my dad. He's the youngest of 14 children, and he grew up, I don't think they had a TV, is the honest truth. I think back in the day, they didn't have, like, box sets or, you know, so for entertainment, they made babies. Um, he was born in a council estate in Cardiff in Wales to Jack and May Barrett. He is a platinum-selling Welsh rock and roll singer, who was the UK's biggest selling artist in the 1980s. Even Stuart read that and he went, no way. The biggest UK seller of singles in the 1980s. 
He spent longer in the charts in the 1980s than any other artist. I don't want you to think I had a crush on, you know, some no-name, all right? I had a crush on someone who was around and selling loads of records. He charted 33 top 40 hits, including four number one signal, singles. I know his wife, well, I don't know her, but I know her name. She's called Carol, and he married her on the 4th of October, 1967. They have three children, obviously he didn't want to follow in the footsteps of his mum and dad. So three kids, which I'm hearing is all the rage at the moment. And at the time of their marriage, his official occupation was milkman. So her children really were the milkmans. I knew all this about him. However, if I was to meet him in the streets or in a restaurant, and go up to him and say, hi, shaking. He would look at me and think, who are you? Alarm bells would maybe be ringing. You see, he's a number one selling artist who I know all about. I know loads about him, but he knows nothing about me. I feel like in his songs, in his songwriting, that he made himself quite vulnerable to me, quite open to me. We would sing his songs together in my room. We had moments, me and Shaky. We had quite a few moments. I often kissed the poster. I had a life-size poster, and often I would give him just a little kiss. Now, I feel like we were quite intimate, but if I met him in the streets, he would be like, who are you? You see, he did not climb the charts. He did not get to number one in order to get to know me. That was not his mission. That was not his aim. He didn't do it to be in a relationship with me. He didn't do it so that he would be known by me and I would, be, I would know him. In fact, I think if I really pushed it with him and I was like, Shaky, I know all about you. I know who your wife is. I know how many brothers and sisters you've got. I even know where you live. I think that he might get a court order and he might maybe consider me slightly insane. I want to read to you a bit from the Bible. You see, because Jesus is the Christmas number one, but he is completely different to that. You see, he did climb to the top of the charts in order to know us. He, he is the head over everything. He is supreme. But in order to know us, he came down low. He, he's such a different number one. So I want to read to you from Isaiah 9. If you don't have a Bible, you haven't brought one with you, don't worry. I'm going to read it to you. So it says this, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do all this. If you ever pick a Bible up and you start working your way through the Old Testament, which is the first part of the Bible, the bit before Jesus came as a baby, you will find a people who, just like the man who wrote this, Isaiah, were longing and they were waiting and they were looking for a king. And they were looking for a certain kind of king. They were looking for a king who would rule and reign. They were looking for a king who would bring justice. They were looking for a king who would make them right with God. They were looking for a Messiah, a deliverer, a saviour. 
They were looking for someone who was God, but with us. His name, Emmanuel, that's literally what it means. Emmanuel, we sing it in carols, don't we? It's a, it's a name for Jesus. It means God who is with us. So they were looking for this God who was with us. They knew that he would save them from their sins. The Bible says that over and over again. He'll save you from your wrongs. He'll put you right with God. He'll make you clean over and over again. They knew he would come through King David's family line. It's why we sing, once in royal David's city stood a lowly cattle shed. Because they were waiting for a Messiah that would come through this amazing king, David, coming through his family line. They've been told that over and over again. They knew he'd be born in Bethlehem. They knew that he would come to this tiny town. So at the moment, Bethlehem has a population of 21,000. At the time, it was probably around 1,000 people. He would come to this tiny, obscure place because the Bible had said for years, this is the king you're to watch out for. You're to watch out for the one who will bring justice, who will bring freedom, who will bring forgiveness. You're to watch out for the one who comes through David's line. You're to watch out for the one who comes from Bethlehem. You're to watch out for the one who's born of a virgin. There aren't many of those out there. There aren't many kids who are born to a virgin. There aren't many children who are born by the hand of God overshadowing them. The Bible says this about Jesus, he is supreme, he is awesome, he is number one. At Christmas and forever, the Bible is clear, the one they were waiting for, the one they were longing for, came down low to earth and was born in a stable. Came down low to earth and was born with Mary and Joseph. Now Joseph was in King David's family line. They were waiting for her king who would come down low and be with us. They moved to Bethlehem because a census called everybody home, back to their hometowns. And at that point in time, God came down low. He was born of a virgin because the Bible had said that over and over again. But you can see why there would be confusion because number ones don't usually behave like that. See, number ones don't normally stoop down low. Number ones don't usually surround themselves with ordinary people. Number ones don't usually throw aside all of their wealth, all of their fortune, in order to be with a people. See, he surrounded himself by shepherds and sheep. He surrounded himself by men who gazed at the stars for their answers. People that... The world would look at and go, are you slightly crazy? Are you slightly dirty? Should you not be anywhere near a king? He surrounded himself with those kinds of people. And we're not used to that. People of money, influence, and power don't usually behave like this. I don't know, but I like to think that Shaken Stevens lives in a great big house. I like to think that his wife does no cleaning and they have a cleaner and maybe a cook and maybe someone who shops for them. I like to think that because if I'd have been his wife, that's what I would have wanted. <laughs> Cleaner, cook, someone who's shot for me. I would say, I'm going for this kind of look this season. Could you please sort it out? You know, when you read a magazine and it says, all the rage this year is the new black. And you go, well, I want that. Like, I would love to have someone who just sorted that out for me. Maybe if you're Justin Bieber or you're Taylor Swift or you're Ed Sheeran, 
You don't go anywhere without an entourage, without a bunch of people looking after you, keeping everybody back, making sure that you are kept safe. You hit number one and others serve you. That's the way it works. You hit number one, you get a better house, better car, better, better everything. And you pay lots of people to do stuff for you. But this king of kings, whose government and peace will know no end, came down low and walked among the people. He walked among people like you and I. And I'm not saying you're unimportant or irreligious. I hope I don't offend anyone. But I know that in, in the grand scheme of things, I am a fairly ordinary person. I'm not ordinary because I'm loved by God, but as I stand, I'm a fairly ordinary person. I am certainly not a religious person. So I didn't grow up in church. This would not be my usual scene at Christmas. See, Jesus stooped down low in order to reach people like me and people like you. He's not about fame, fortune, power, amassing wealth so that he can be raised up high. He's about putting that aside and coming down low. He's about serving people, loving people, feeding the hungry, clothing those, clothing the orphan, clothing the widow. It's an outrageous kingdom, his kingdom of healing and wholeness. It's a kingdom that is almost upside down. You would think, actually, if you are at the top, everyone serves you. He is at the top, and he comes down low and serves everybody else. He says, all this wealth that I have, now it is yours. He is generous and kind and forgiving, and his kingdom is like that. This church, many people will say of this church, you guys are so generous, you're so kind, you're so giving. Personally, I think it's the only right thing to do when you love a saviour like Jesus because he is so forgiving, so gracious, so generous, so over the top. Many people ask us why we don't charge for stuff and because quite honestly, we have been given so much that we want to give it away. It's why at Christmas times you often find Christians very active amongst the poor, helping feed it. Because actually we know we have been given so much by this wonderful saviour that we just want to give back, really. Now, this kingdom that he is the king of is always increasing. It's always getting bigger. It's always advancing. It was advancing when he walked on the earth amongst lepers, amongst a woman caught in the act of adultery amongst Matthew, the tax collector, amongst a group of people who were starving hungry and he fed them. It was increasing and advancing, but it still is now. Statistics tell us that Christianity is the fastest growing world religion. And in some parts of the world, the rate at which people are becoming Christians is outstripping the rate at which people are being born. Now, we look at our media and think the church in this nation is crumbling, dying, near its death. You, if you look anywhere else in the world, and in fact, if you look outside of our media, you will find the church is a very different picture and a very different story. Because the Bible says this king's kingdom is always going to be increasing, always going to be advancing. He's such an interesting, number one. He's a king who's a servant. He's a saviour who died on a cross. He's the creator who let his created beings crucify him. 
and then he rose from the dead. He divided people from the moment he set foot on the earth. So as a baby, when he was born, the shepherds were flocking in, the kings were flocking in, and Herod was saying, how do we kill this baby? How do we get rid of the one who has been promised? He divided people. Whenever, everywhere he went, there were some who flocked him and said, you are our number one. You're our Messiah. You're our Christ. And there were others who said, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the number one? And then there were others again who said, he is not the Messiah. He is not the king and he is not the one. In a room this size, there will be divisions too. Some of you will be sitting there going, I love singing these carols. I love hearing this stuff because he is my number one. I have become a Christian. He takes center stage in my life and I order everything around him. And some of you will be sitting here thinking that. Some of you will have made that decision in the last year to follow Jesus and make him your number one. Others of you will be sitting there thinking, well, I've got questions. Is he the Messiah? Is he who he says he is? What about suffering? What about a God who is with us but seems to not answer our prayers? What about that? Some of you will be sitting there going, but what about other religions? What about homosexuality? What about all these things? You'll be asking in your head, going, I don't know. It doesn't quite add up for me. And others of you will be sitting there going, no. He is not the number one. He is not the king and he is not the Messiah. Throughout the ages, people have questioned this king, questioned this Messiah. I'm going to read to you again the bit I read at the beginning. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do all this. So who will he be for you this Christmas? If you're sitting there and you're a Christian and you're thinking to yourself, I'll let everybody else listen to this because I've got it all sorted. Let me tell you, the number one position in your life can slip. So he who was at number one can slip down to number five, can slip down to number 10, can slip off the charts. We can put ourselves in his place and become the Christmas number one. We can say, actually, I'm a little bit tired of giving all that for Jesus, so I think I'm going to take a little bit of myself. It's important at Christmas time, I think, to just reorder your head, especially with all the shopping and all the crazy and all the dinner and all, all the stuff that's going on around you. It's important to get your head straight. One of the ways I do this is I get my Bible out. It's the way that I get my head straight. Look, everyone goes everywhere to get their head straight. Some people go to horoscopes, some people go to friends, some people go to family. So I go to the Bible and I go, okay, God, what is it that you have to say? This Christmas, can I encourage you, if you know Jesus, go to your Bible, get your head straight and make sure that he is not just your number one in speech, but your number one in, in action in your life. Whack on some Christmas carols. They have some enormous truths within them. Sing them. 
Sing them around your home, sing them wherever you are. I was singing, hark the herald, angel sings the other day, glory to the newborn king. I've got this quite jazzed up version on my iPhone, I love it. And, and I've just got it on loud, just saying, yes, that's what I believe, that's what is true. Next week, we've got church again. I can tell you, it isn't going to look quite like this. It is not often that I get my legs out. So I don't normally wear a dress. So if you come next week, I'm going to have fairly low-slung, slouchy jeans and some kind of T-shirt going on. There probably won't be all these lights. There definitely will be a band, and most of those people up here will be in it. There definitely will be the word preached. You definitely will get cake and drinks, and your kids will be looked after, and you can encounter God. Come to church next week. Come to church and just get soaked in a bit more God. I put out some leaflets on the chairs for a thing called the Alpha Course. Some of you have been on it. This is for people who are asking those kind of questions. Is he the Messiah? Is he real? Why do my friends love him and follow him? What about suffering? This is a kind of course where you can come along and ask any question you like. Generally, I run that course with a bunch of people who are really happy for their faith to be questioned, for their Bible to be questioned, for their God to be questioned. Really happy to give you opinions, answers, to wrestle with you. A lot of the time I end up saying, I don't know either. There are things I don't know and cannot understand about God because he is God and I am not, which you can probably all breathe a sigh of relief. Um, so the Alpha Course is a great opportunity to just ask some questions. We serve great food, good wine, and you get to sit around a table and discuss the meaning of life. Quite honestly, I can't think of anything better. I've lost where I am on my notes. It's a little bit concerning. Okay. And then lastly, if you're in a position where you think to yourself, he is not the number one, he is not. Can I just advise you to maybe just say to God, I tell you what, if you are real, show yourself, prove yourself. And I've known people say this to God, I've known people pray little prayers where they've just gone, all right, God, I would like to in some way, shape or form, see something happen this week. So not I'd like a Ferrari, could you deliver it to my drive, keys through my door, but the kind of thing that says, actually, God, I would love to have a conversation with someone about it. I'd love someone to bring it up and talk to me about it. Just putting something out there before God and saying, how about it, God? So maybe you want to start coming to church. This church is a good church to be a part of, but we don't honestly mind where you go to church. If you prefer something more traditional, that is absolutely fine with us. Just so long as you're meeting God, meeting Jesus, reading the Bible, doesn't really matter. This church is a good church, so you want to come here, that's fine. You would be welcome here every Sunday, whether you believe that he's the Christmas number one or you've got questions about him. Come to church, have a go at reading the Bible, try an Alpha course, whack on some carols, just let yourself be soaked in the man Jesus who the Bible describes as number one supreme, King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who the angels sang about, who Mary and Joseph brought into the world, who the shepherds bowed down to worship, who the kings bowed down to worship, the one who was and is and is to come. He is our Christmas number one, but the Bible says he is the world's Christmas number one. 
Before you leave today, we want you to take one of these. These are hanging on the tree by the door. They've been handmade by a bunch of gorgeous women in this church. And they're for you to hang on your Christmas trees. You just slip it off the tag and hang it on your tree. We wanted to give you a gift because, quite honestly, we just love giving stuff away. But we also just want to remind you that he is the Christmas number one, that he's what it's all about, and amongst all the presents and the turkey and the gifts, that he is the reason why we sing, the reason why we celebrate. So worship team, I'm going to invite you back up, I think, and we're going to sing some carols. And then I'm going to pop up and invite you to go and get your kids. If you've got kids, you can't go and pick up a kid if you haven't got one, all right? And also, you can't leave your kid out there if you don't want to pick them up, okay? I'm going to leave that there. You're right. Let's stand. We're going to worship the Christmas number one. I'm going to be around loads of other